listening to episode 285 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the third season of the Netflix science fiction series, Travelers. And, you know, it's been really cold here of late, and I know you were up in Pittsburgh for a hockey tournament, and it got me to thinking, do you ever get a chance to, like, pretend you're doing something hockey related with your laptop but you're actually watching like the next episode of supernatural or i actually uh used this tournament as a chance to well one get my midterm done and then two to uh re-watch the uh last five episodes of travelers oh so, cool yeah Right, but so. but but no, I, it's uh, it's tough to pull the the on my laptop and you know like basically what I'm well though this the last not the last game the second last game they played um, was starting right at the end of the Patriots Chiefs game and so I was like well I've seen him play hockey a lot this game is going into overtime so I'm just going to be the bad dad and stay here and watch football. There you go. Yeah. But as it was much longer, I was, I was, I was not, I was rewarded in that it was a good football game. I was not rewarded in that. I'm sorry, people in the Boston, New England area, but unfortunately the Patriots won yet again. And that's actually what I meant when I said you were rewarded because I feel the same way. Yeah. As did. I mean, like this was a pretty big rink, and the the lobby was pretty big, sizable, and pretty much all the parents of the teams that had just finished playing were in, as well as all the parents like me, whose kid was about to play. And everyone was just standing in the lobby, and everyone was screaming for the Chiefs. It was crazy, and except for this one guy, you know. But by the time the Patriots won, everyone, you know, once they hit overtime, everyone cleared out. So the the Patriots fan didn't have a chance to be a, a mass hole and, uh, you know, turn and say, ha 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 to everyone and everything. So cool. So. I, 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 I mean, mass hole in the most affectionate way. People of new England, my, uh, <laughs> my brother-in-law and sister-in-law live up there. We've been up there many times in the last couple of years. I love Massachusetts. I love new England. I'm sorry. I hate your football team. Well, my dad was from New Hampshire, but he was a Baltimore Colts fan. So, I understand. All right. Anyway, um, episode feedback, questions for the two of us, hit us up at email, sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail using the Leave Voicemail tab, record your own audio clip the way Fred does each week, and send it as an attachment. Tweet us at sci-fi-tv-rewatch, or consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Now, um, in terms of news, I, I want to bring up the Facebook group because there is a vigorous debate on the group this week about spoiling other shows during there our is. Travelers yeah. discussion. And uh, to be fair, it's usually me as opposed to you that does it. And, and Fred's I'm going to, not sure if that's true. Well, Fred's going to address it a little bit in his feedback, but it, it certainly is something that I, I'm glad it was brought up because certain things, you know, as some of the... The responders mention you can't be perfect as podcasters because we have to sit here with a uh, database and and check everything before we say it. But it it is certainly something that I'm going to be more conscious about as we proceed in in the podcast. But sure. And we uh, we don't script this. So, you know, it's like what we say is, you know, by and large, you know, off 
off the top of our head. So, um, but you're, you're absolutely right. I like what you said there. Like it's, it's, it's a good, um, kind of notice to be a little bit more thoughtful of it because I know, you know, I, there's been times when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Like, ah, you know, you're like trying to like, you know, turn the volume down and then every now and then you turn it back up a little bit, turn it back down, turn it back up a little bit and turn it back down until, you know, the, whatever the thing you don't want to hear about is done. So. Well, the best part of it is that we have such a great Facebook group that it did not devolve in the way so many Facebook discussions do devolve. I'm on another group that's not related to sci-fi TV and the moderator is constantly coming on and deleting posts and telling mm-hmm. people that's two strikes, you know, one more and you're out. And, and, you know, we just had a great discussion. So, uh, you know, yeah. if you want to join in, it's still there. You can find it. All right. Now tip of the week, <laughs> I was mentioning to you before we started recording that I had my tip of the week and then I thought, wait a minute, did I already do that one? I, I, and I know I'm getting older, so I had to go back and listen <laughs> to like the last six podcasts, just the beginning, because we do it at the same point. You should have been, I listened to the last six. I know. All right, well, anyway, my, <laughs> my pick of the week is a French series called Transfers, or in the French, Transferts, F-E-R-T-S, and it's currently on Netflix. Six episodes released in 2017, And it follows a woodworker named Florian who drowns while he's on vacation with his wife and two kids and lapses into a five-year coma. So he wakes up from the coma to find that his consciousness has been transferred into the body of a man he doesn't recognize. Now, Hmm. when he entered the coma, consciousness transfer was not a thing. And after it did become legal problems cropped up and it was eventually banned a group called batty b-a-t-i and i forget what it stands for but they are a paramilitary organization that tracks down and apprehends illegal transfers but with contacts in high places florian's wife has arranged to have his consciousness transferred into the available body of a killed in the line of duty batty officer named Sylvan. Oh. So, I was about to say, like, Florian wakes up and was like, hey, why am I in the body of the pool boy? <laughs> yeah, so once he gets over the shock of what's happened, he's now got to assume Sylvan's life and job. So, of course, his job is to apprehend... The call five. The, the, yeah, so uh, it's called Transfers. It's on Netflix, six episodes. It's pretty good. I, I, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm, I'm watching it in the original French with English subtitles. So cool. All right, what do you got? So I am actually though I know this was my pick of the week last week. I watched the rest of the Almighty Johnsons. So my pick of the week is going to be the Almighty Johnsons series finale. Uh, the episode thirteen of season three. Um, and I'm obviously going to go into a lot of detail about it just, just to say that generally the, you know, a series ending episode, first of all, if you know, it's coming, it's like kind of a blessing, right? I mean, how many great shows can we talk of that had some kind of like cliffhanger at the end of the series because they thought they still had a shot at getting another season. So the end of the season, their last season of the cliffhanger, and then they got canceled the most 
devastating of which I will once again say was Terminator, the Saracana Chronicles. The, the Yomai Johnsons, I guess, kind of either knew the writing was on the wall or ended it in such a way that it could be a good, you know, series as well as a season finale, you know, and, and I, I was kind of trying to read up on it. It seems like they'd finished filming and everything before the announcement was made that they were canceled. So I, I don't think that they knew, but they might've, because they had been canceled actually the season before and they had a big, you know, fan, uh, movement to, um, to uncancel them, at which point they were uncanceled, and probably I get, I think their numbers didn't go up any in that season. So I'm sure that they knew when as they were writing that that last episode that it would de- indeed be the last episode. But it was great. Uh, they tied up you know all the loose ends. They they resolved the overall arc as well as the recent story arcs they've been doing. Uh, they were faithful to their characters. The shippers would be happy with the ending as well. And it was just like, you know, like at the end of it, I was like, you know what? That was, that was a heck of a, a, a series finale. You know, they really, they nailed it on that one. It's, it's tough to do, uh, but they really, they really nailed it. And it was, it was cool. So, uh, you know, I, if I didn't say it enough times last week, I cannot more highly recommend the show than the Almighty Johnsons. It was absolutely awesome loved every single minute of it was so bomb when it finally ended but it ends in such a way in such a satisfying way that it's just great so check it out it's on netflix cool all right all right well let's get to travelers and this is episode six of season three titled philip written by pat smith who has co-written a bunch of episodes but uh, as a solo writer he wrote hall update and perot and then this one's directed by William Waring, and it's his sixth episode directing Travelers. So uh, in terms of some opening thoughts, Magda Apanovich as Dawn is wonderful. And if you've seen Continuum, you remember her as Emily. And I love the red hair Africa. in Continuum, but I'm digging the kind of dirty blonde in Travelers. But what always gets me Every time I see her, and I'm, as I've said, rewatching Continuum, why isn't she a regular in more shows? She's yeah, great. That, that yeah, that that's that is a, a, a really good question. Um, because obviously she's got the chops to do it. Uh, she actually she was a regular in Caprica, right? That's yeah, that's right, Lacey. Um, but that was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, why isn't this? Yeah, why isn't this actress? You know, and my thought would be like, literally, maybe she doesn't want that. You know, maybe she has like stuff going on inside and she can just step in and do a couple episodes now and then of a TV show and make enough bank to, to float her for a while. And, you know, yeah, that's a good point, but she's really great in travelers. That's for sure. And uh, just a couple of points that we'll we'll expand on in the discussion. How does she convince Kyle and Luca to switch sides? And then, well, she's hot. Well, yeah. Uh, after returning to ops, why does Philip flush the yellow pills down the toilet? So that's you know, a great we'll, question. Yeah. So we'll get to those as we go along. But the episode starts with a historian update taking place. One of them is overwritten, and we're 
led to believe that the update would have killed him. So now we're back to the director essentially killing people, right? Yeah. What is it? Is there something about receiving these updates that will kill the historian? I mean, maybe that's it. I think that's why they had Mac look at the screen for a little bit because it's like, why is, why would you do that? You know, like, like I'm not a traveler and I know don't look at the screen. Right. But he does. And you see his nose starts to bleed. He only looked at it for a couple of seconds. So, you know, we can assume that, you know, it takes a very specialized or special type of brain to be able to handle the updates. And I wonder if it's cumulative that once you've, been updated a certain number of times because otherwise I, I i don't understand the point of that but regardless the faction enters tells the historians that they're going to have a little chat and of course that's the bulk of this episode but before we get to that we do see jeff's journey and we've both said several times that we enjoy the new Jeff, the the Jeff that's not an asshole. Right. And while he's come close a couple of times and, and tonight was one of them when he's in David's apartment, you think, Oh, don't go there, Jeff. And yeah. he doesn't, but well, you, but you see, he's like, I, th- I think that's mostly cause we're kind of used to how the old Jeff would react. And so we see him make a face like the old Jeff would make, and we think, you know, this is, you know, right before when he's going to explode and go crazy. Uh, but, you know, obviously the new Jeff is much more calmer and a hold of himself that, uh, you know, what is actually probably a, a look of like reflection is we, you know, we recognize as old Jeff's kind of, you know, warning trigger for, for anger. Right. And his line that I need you to think of me as a new man. Well, Obviously, we know he literally is a new man. That's what we call dramatic irony, son. Exactly. But the the fact that he just wants David to sign off so that he can get back to work as a police officer, we understand where he's coming from, but he clearly does not really know David at all. And David is a man of integrity, and we know from the start, and I love the way, David, he looks at the paper, uh, no. I'm not. Yeah. And he's, and we, we also know he's not very familiar with the 21st century very much. So, yeah, I, which I don't know whether that's here or there or anything. But just, um, you know, he doesn't get angry, though, as the old Jeff would. He's just kind of rolls with it and he actually goes with David on his walkabout, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and now he says he hasn't had a drink in a week and we do believe him. The whole idea of once an addict, always an addict comes up. And and obviously, alcohol addiction is a complex issue. And, and there's emotional, intellectual components as well. But it's not like Philip. That, and again, we've talked about Philip and his heroin addiction. So it, it does seem, on the one hand, as if Jeff has kicked this alcohol habit relatively quickly and he doesn't have original Jeff's baggage to drag him down and want to drink. So 
we kind of believe that this is it for the drinking with, with the Jeff we have now, Jeff 2.0. Right. True. Um, but you know, not to, you know, you know, downplay alcoholism, which is a very difficult disease. It is just, uh, yeah, well, not just as, I mean, it's, it's not maybe as intensely addictive as heroin, but it's, you know, it creates a physical addiction, but apparently, yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's maybe like a, a kind of a, a, uh, a nitpick I might have with this is that how, you know, and we said this last week, I, I believe how, you know, Philip struggles so much. He inherited the heroin addiction from his host, but new Jeff does not seem to have inherited any kind of, you know, physical addiction to alcohol. So, you know, maybe even though people kind of always tell him, you know, maybe he wasn't necessarily alcoholic, just he was like a really sloppy, stupid drinker, you know, right? a mean drunk. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, fortunately, he doesn't revert to Jeff. 1.0 and he tells david once david establishes no i'm not going to sign the paper yes i do want your help nonetheless and that's when david says okay good let's go for a walk and and of course that's when the kid messenger tells jeff that he's needed but i love when jeff shows up to mclaren's team and carly immediately says you're with me yeah and it's a little thing but it's a huge step for carly yeah yeah, it is. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, we just figured it was something that she would need to kind of get over, right? So that once she kind of processed the idea that Jeff is no longer Jeff, that she'd be fine, you know, but it's just that initial reaction, especially right after such an intense episode as what led to Jeff being overwritten. You know, it, it would take some processing time for her to kind of sort out how she feels about it. Right. But it seemed as if it was going to take longer than it than it does. And and I'm glad of that. I mean, we're never exactly sure how much time elapses on a week to week basis with well, they only got 10 episodes. So they got to you know, get the narrative moving. Right. Exactly. Now, we, we get a really nice scene when the op is over. Jeff and Carly are driving back. And she notices that wrapped gift. Now, on the one hand, she sees it and she says, well, who's that for? Now, come on, Carly, you know damn well who it must be for. I mean, it looks like it's for a kid. Who else would he be buying a present for? But they both agree that baby Jeff's current situation is for the better. And and it's something we've acknowledged from season one that this is a terrible environment for this child to grow up in. There was no easy answer, but living with a mother who constantly has to leave you while she's taking her sniper rifle out to yeah. execute not, somebody as part yeah, of a mission. Not a, not a great home environment. Right. But it's just definitely so nice to see these two non-combative. Right. And, you know, and also for Carly to, you know, start to come to some the level of objectivity to her relationship with Jeff Jr. You know, like in that car, she finally is able to say, saying, I'm his mother, I'm his mother, I'm his mother, which she is, but she isn't. And to step back and say, actually, it's probably best for him. You know, instead of thinking of herself, to think about the kid in a realistic fashion. Right. Right. Now, the other thing that's really nice about it, the actor that plays Jeff, J. Alex Brinson, 
And I think you said this maybe a few weeks, a few months back, that because we hate him so much, in part, it's a testament to how good an acting job sure. J. Alex Brinson has, has done with that character. So now to see him go to the other side, I, I, it's still a great acting job, but it's so much more fun to be able to embrace. I mean, look, we, we have to have our bad guys. We understand that. Right. But I don't know. I'm just glad we're uh, seeing a different side of Jeff. Yeah. You know, and I always kind of had hope for, I don't know. I, I never wanted to see Jeff as a bad, I was hoping he could be redeemed and for a second there he was. And then he just went back even worse. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the actor was just, uh, a, a great job and um you know to make you know old jeff so hateable and, and pretty quickly to get us on new jeff's side and sympathize with him as well now the second story in this episode i'll call it dawn and the faction's attempt to sway the hearts and minds and without going into detail because it is somewhat of a spoiler there is a parallel in continuum and, and I'll just leave it at that. If you've seen Continuum, I think you know what I'm referring to. But Yeah, I think maybe it is you that does this all the time. I, I, know, I think it, about is, it. it is. <laughs> now, Dawn's questioning Philip, and she's trying to convince him that they want the same thing, which is to save humanity. And that's the beauty of this arc within Travelers, because it is true. And I love Philip challenging her because he... he immediately brings up the fact that the faction was going to release a plague that would have killed billions. And her answer is that what if one mass culling right at the turning point changed everything for the better now said Adolf Hitler. Well, yeah, but that was completely different. How is it different? Like she's well, talking genocide except just of everyone, not one particular group. Exactly. And, and that's how I see it as, as being different in, in that. I mean, I, I see what you're saying and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole I'm just, here. I'm just saying like, that, I mean, when I compare the faction to the Nazis, I'm just like saying it's people who put what they believe to be the answer above their humanity. Right. Well, that's true. And, and, and so the faction, like they think, they know it is. So their solution, they can justify any solution, including killing billions of people, you know? And in fact, you think about it, they're killing billions in order to save their own asses in the future. Well, that's what it all comes down to for sure. So um, I like Philip have problems with the, the factions, you know, attitude about the 21st century inhabitants. I, I agree. But when you go back to what she says, we, we do want the same thing. Their methods, obviously, are not coinciding at this point. She tells him, your way's not working. I'm going to take her at her word that the director's grand plan is not working. I agree with you. Killing a billion people isn't an answer. Somewhere in the middle is the answer. And I get the feeling that now that she was stopped from killing a billion people, perhaps she's ready to work out something that's a much more reasonable approach. And that's why I like this, this part of the story, because 
they really do want the same things. Yes, that was way over the top, but like, do they? Yeah, like I don't, I don't. I feel like Dawn is pretty straight up, but you just still don't know if you can really trust the faction because they are underhanded and devious and all that stuff, you know. Um, you know, uh, and it, it's possible, especially with, you know what we've seen of 001 is not necessarily to save humanity, but so that. I can be in charge in the future. Well, right. But then you go back to shelter 41, which is how all this is transpiring. I I think because when max team left, the director's grand plan was based on the available information at the time. Well, once max team and and the other traveler team started making changes, things changed and and you know we have the shelter 41 collapse in in the future and and, and again that was how the faction got started so well did it collapse originally but it didn't collapse yes right right, right. and that's what uh, where the faction was born right right so okay. so i i don't know i i just get the feeling that inherently the faction is not bad their methods just were f- way too extreme up up to this point yeah. so I, I mean i just think they're just like any other group that can you know justify anything through their you know their ideals and and you know i just i like you know i tend to agree with john lennon and henry david thoreau here where if someone sheds their humanity and their ability to think as an individual in order to blindly follow some group's dictates you know that's that's when travesties happen right okay sure now i mentioned at the top of the show what did dawn do to convince kyle and luca to come over to her side and and of course we know kyle is now a historian and he's brought into philip's cell as a gesture of goodwill and and of course at this point in the story we don't know that he's already been turned and that this is all a ploy on Dawn's part to try to get Philip to reveal something that he learned. You know, they, they have that little thing about, oh, I just gave up a tell and we're just going to save one guy. And all right, fine. But we know once we learn that he's gone over to the faction side that he probably revealed much more of what he learned in that update. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I mean, there, this their attempt to, to turn Philip through Kyle is kind of ham fisted, you know, like, it's just, I'm not that I knew that he was faction, but just the whole thing, like right away, he's like, well, you know, they've got some good points, Philip, you know, like right away, he, you know, like he just automatically is demonstrating his sympathy for the faction. I don't, you know, Philip, I don't think ever really buys into it. Well, what about when Kyle brings up the fact that Philip saved Alexander, right? an event that was not supposed to happen that way. Now, obviously that doesn't rise to the scale of killing billions with a plague, but still it's Philip making a decision that, well, I'm just going to change this one thing and save this one person. And noticeably Philip really doesn't have an answer. Right. And that's fine. I think that, then goes back to the 
human component that these travelers struggle with on a daily basis, that they're not perfect. They are human. He did make a decision, free will, if you want to call it that, to go against the director in this case, even though he supports the director and the grand plan. All right. Now, Dawn comes in, gives them their yellow pills. And then she says, working with us, historians don't have to carry the burden. I assume she means the burden of knowing all the people that are going to die, but I'm not sure exactly how that was a selling point to try to convince Philip to come over to her side. And I guess in her defense, she hasn't been at this that long. Each historian is an individual and is going to react to her uh, sales job differently. So we know Philip, we know he's not going to buy into that. But uh, again, I guess in her defense, it's a reasonable place to start. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Like she doesn't know Philip. And, and so, I mean, that's what I guess is probably why their attempt to recruit him just, just doesn't seem to be working very well. And it's not because they're going about all wrong because they don't really understand Philip as a person. Right. And that I love when he tells her, you can't outrun the future. What a great line. That, yeah. that's, if somebody doesn't have that on a t-shirt, they <laughs> should. <laughs> right. But we, but you know, it's your idea. So we, we expect, uh, you know, like some kind of creative uh, licensing here. Right. But what they do continue to drive home and, and Kyle does it, as well as Dawn, the fact that he studied Mac's team and realized no matter what it did, nothing changed for the better. And then Philip says, I'm ready to talk. And at that point, I guess we're wondering, well, what is he going to tell her? Is he just simply going to give something up to try to win her over? Again, we know Philip, we know this is happening much too quickly for him to really have a change of heart here. Right. But I think the first time I saw us, I was thinking, you know, I mean, he's been struggling now and they set it up with the, the Alexander. Was that the name of the episode? Yes. Um, you know, that, that episode, they really set up Philip kind of questioning even more uh, the grand plan and the director and everything. So when he says I'm ready to talk, I, I remember the first time I saw him like, wow, I wonder if he's actually kind of buying in here a little bit. I mean, I, again, I would suspect I'm hoping like, all right, my boy's not going to do that. He's not going to sell out. But another part of me said, well, he's been kind of wrestling with this issue for a while now. So maybe they have actually struck a chord with him. Right. I, how many times do you have to be told that what you're doing not only isn't making things better, it's making things worse. So yeah, but how they know it's making things worse. They'll know it's making things worse. Well, they just know things aren't fixed. Well, that's true. Right? That's true. Now, I-, I love the escape scene with Philip because we don't see Philip fight hand to hand very often. No. So that was a really well orchestrated escape scene. He's about to be executed. And then Carly shoots Kyle and Luca, saving Philip. The future needs us to work together, Dawn tells Philip. And again, he's got her 
wants her to give him the key so he can release the other historians. But then did you notice there, a faction guy comes up? He's about to shoot Philip and she says, no. Right. Yep. Philip kills the guy, but of course she gets away. Right. But I, I, that little brief moment where she says, no, don't kill him. Right. It's more than just the knowledge that he's got. She realizes, and for me, that's the point where I realize, and maybe I'm being naive, that that she really does feel as if she has a just cause. Again, I don't want to keep going over the same thing, that certainly the, the methods were extreme, but I think her cause is pure. Well, I don't know about pure, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it it does certainly show us that there's more to her than just, like, you know, a, the, a baddie. You know? Right, but I mean, look, her idea, I assume, of culling a billion people from the world's population is that one of the things that drags the world down in the future is a lack of resources – pollution global warming all all of these things that we don't have to call the population we just have to make changes to the way we live on our planet right right so yeah yeah and yeah they described it actually this is probably the closest we've gotten to really you know understanding or getting a, a picture of of what the future's like you know, they, they basically described to us. I can't remember who it was. I think it's maybe he's, oh, Mac, right? Mac tells Yates because she asked what, like, right? Is that? Well, he does talk to Yates in the episode just briefly when, when he I, needs her to run a facial recognition for uh, Philip. I, I think I'm going to stop talking because I, I, I'm like now starting to think maybe I might be talking about something that happens in another episode, maybe. Okay. But anyway, so. Yeah. So the point is, the future is bad. <laughs> That's yeah. all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna say more because I I might be talking about a different episode that has not happened yet. So I'll just stop. All right. All right. Now the, the main story, and, and of course they're all connected. They're using Hall to find the kidnapped historians, and Hall has been shot. You know, in in the course of events in this episode, and and he is really being kept alive by marcy and boyd we see hall and mclaren alone in an empty white tiled swimming pool and if i was fred i would have gone back and looked at the episodes of van helsing because there's a number of episodes where they're using a pool that a pretty sure it's the same pool except in van helsing there's blood all over the place and well it also kind of looks like they they use a pool in in legion in yeah. season one of Legion, that okay. that was what the, that whole building reminded me of. So, you know, Fred, you got some work for it there for you, buddy. Check <laughs> yeah. it out. Now, Mac tells him that he's dying, and this is actually a construct of Hall's mind. And then we see in real life Hall's being worked on by Marcy. And that Trevor has built what's called a black box, which is going to allow them to see and hear Hall's memories as they try to piece together what happened. And Fred brings this up in his feedback, and I just really loved the way they used this as an element to tell this story. And visually, it's like in the swimming pool, 
you know how you could kind of see through Hall? Yeah. It was, it was just so cool. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really the the way they lit and filmed those uh, those se- sequences that take place in Hall's mind, were, that was excellently. That was really well done. Right. And once we get a grip on what's actually happening, because we keep seeing Hall and Mac in the pool talking to each other, but then once we know that Mac is actually out on the mission and that really the only contact the dying hall has is with Marcy, then things start to become a little clearer that what we see in the swimming pool, that's really the way hall is putting things together. Right. And while survival is highly unlikely Mac asks him nonetheless to remember his last moment. And he says, are you using black box on me? Yeah. And Mac says, we are using memory recovery techniques. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I love how Hall, because he, again, he's such a great character. Lewis Ferreira is just so great. I mentioned probably months back that I first became acquainted with him in Stargate universe, but because of the history that McLaren and Hall have, this whole sequence is just so poignant, especially when we get to the end. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But once Hall accepts what's actually happening to him, which, again, is pretty bizarre when you think about it. This is a guy that's unconscious in a coma, whatever it is he's in, yet he can hear the questions and instructions he's getting from Marcy and he gives them what they need. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it, it yeah, it definitely worked, but, um, and that's kind of like, like they definitely play up as Hall's last big heroic gesture, right? Because for him to get what they need, he has to relive a lot of painful stuff that has happened to him. Yeah, I mean, the least of which is the gunshot. I mean, that's pretty bad. But the fact that the guy you thought was your best friend sold you out. Your teammates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's and and that's you can just see it on his face when he he realizes that it's just really painful. But like a tough guy like Hall is not going to let on a lot, but you can still see the, the pain of that realization on his face. And he has to relive that. Like he had to live it twice. Uh, when, before he got shot, we realized it. And then, you know, and now, even as he's dying, one of the last things he's going to think about is how he was betrayed by his friends and his teammates. Right. And Mac tells Hall that he always believed his loyalty and the two of them are, are basically coming to grips with the relationship that they had and, and that they truly were on the same team, that they were both strong-willed, leader types that didn't always agree on methods but at the end of the day they were on the same team and and i think that's what makes it so difficult To, to go back for a second when mac and carly are checking out that room where the update was held and i remember watching it the first time and i'm jotting down well why are they leaving the projector and everything there and then of course carly asks the same thing right we don't get an answer it's almost as if dawn wanted them to find it she doesn't need it right they've already received the update 
all she needs is the historian. Right, right. Now, now the other thing that I didn't notice until the third time I watched this episode, you know, you, you were just talking about Luca betraying Hall and, and shooting him. And, and, you know, I guess the betrayal is that Dawn convinced Luca. Luca. didn't do it. What's that? Luca didn't shoot him. Kyle did. Remember? Well, Kyle did. Right. But Luca yeah. had yeah. basically betrayed him. Yes. Um, Marcy seems to well up at that point. Yeah. And well, do you have any thoughts on why? Yeah, Luca's her brother. Well, okay, so so do we go back. Did we ever really establish that, or I, is that just something they both wanted to believe? That's a good question. I th- I thought maybe they did, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay, I don't think they ever established it. I don't know how they necessarily could establish it. I guess unless they did a DNA test, but I don't recall. Well, that wouldn't matter because they have different host bodies. So yeah. you say, hey, remember when I? <laughs> Stole yeah. your, you know, Kit Kat bar and right. you fell down the steps like, oh shit. Yeah. You're my brother. Yeah. Right. But I, I did like that because whether it's true or not, Marcy, I think it gave her a connection to her past. And, and I'm sure it was the same with Luca because he at the time seemed to want it even more than she did. But we get to the end. Hall walks into the sunlight and looks at the address plate for the building. And that's the exact answer that Mac needs to find the other librarians. That line, Hey, McLaren, go save the world for me. And and the team rushes out. Marcy hesitates because Hall's still alive. And, and of course, Boyd says, I, I, just go be with your team. I'll stay with her. And for me, it's made even more poignant after Boyd earlier wonders what's going to happen to her if she loses the last of her team members and it's not really something that has come up and, you know, they tell her, well, you're not alone, but that, that line where she says, well, what am I supposed to do? Just live out the life of my host till I die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Protocol five, but right. it, it doesn't make it any less poignant and meaningful. And then, Jeff sees Mitch, who was that group leader of the people that were, you know, I guess paranoid and that travelers were taking over. And he's packing up tapes and realizes Mitch must be faction. And I just love it. He just shoots him. Historians are rescued. Well, Mitch does. He, he He's going for a gun there. Yes. So he doesn't just shoot him in cold. Because, like, obviously we'd have a problem with that because – they're totally not supposed to shoot people in cold blood, right? Well, that's true, right? Don't don't take so the, a life, right? So they have to have like you know, Mitch go for it, just as they you know had to make it so Greedo shot first, right? And then we get that final scene when Mac calls Boyd and tells her to let Hall know he saved them, and really one of the more emotional scenes of the series not not just this season at least for me again because of the history these two men have had and then we see hall lying on a field of grass looking up at the sky and boyd sees what he sees and then the iris closes and we know of course that he dies just just i thought a really wonderful ending it was it was so good and you know what i actually got and maybe it's because i've been watching a lot of anglo-saxon and viking themed shows recently but i'm like this is a warrior going to valhalla 
right? Yeah. Like he fought, like even after he was basically dead, he continued fighting to the very, very end. And now he just lies down the grass and he hears his reward. Yeah. Yep. You know, the, or Elysium, right? The, but all these, all the places of, of mythology, the, all the quote unquote heavens all are like, you know, uh, places of, you know, wide open grassy fields where, you know, and everything like that. So. Anything you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? I kind of want like, I was actually kind of, because we brought it up and there, there was some discussion on Facebook about like what's going on with this episode. For example, when, um, so Carly and Mac go to the school first, right? Yes. That's, that's where he like, okay, now I'm getting things messed up. Because at some point they're like, oh, go to where Boyd found hall i think the discussion was on facebook like why didn't they just go there in the first place right well that's a good point but i i guess at this point they have hall they're looking for the librarians that are that are uh, i'm sorry the historians another great show we should podcast about that (laughs) uh i i think for that reason and you know when they're at the school I think that's at the point where Hall, the images that are coming across on the black box are are of that chain link fence. And I guess that's then what, what leads them to say, go to uh, where you found Hall, I guess. The one thing I want to say is the gunfight scene though. It it kind of reminded me of like a, an old Western, you know? Oh yeah. A great, great catch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's definitely like, you know, you know, like bullets flying, you like kind of stick your head out and back up and the, you see the bullet hit right next to you and you cover someone, they run through and then they run around and get the guys from behind. It's just, it's all it reminds me of like, you know, classic kind of Western type of gunfight. So while not, I'm not, not saying I'm a big fan of guns, but I do appreciate, you know, violence in cinema. So, so, all right. Anything else? Oh, well, I, I just, uh, I, I just, I was just looking through my, there's a really good line there where David's talking to Jeff and he, you know, Jeff says, think of me as a new man. He's like, well, you seem a lot less. Grr. <laughs> yeah. That was, I was wondering what, what David was going to actually call. <laughs> well, yeah, like you can't put like a name on it. Yeah. You know, like it's just like, you can't descri- necessarily with words describe what Jeff was like. The best you can do is just like say, grr. Yep. Yeah. I really like David. So. so. All right, well, why don't we check into some listener feedback with Fred, and then we'll come back and discuss. Okay. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Travelers Season 3, Episode 6. First off, the Star Trek Discovery season started, so I have to make some audio feedback for two other podcasts apart from this one. I know, Dave, that you didn't appreciate the new Star Trek Discovery so much. I myself had quite some problems with the new Klingons. For the rest, I liked it. Beautiful lightning, beautiful scenery. The story was okay, and the Klingons were not okay. And there was a lot of comment on these Klingons. So I wonder what they will do with that in this second season. And I will watch it for you uh, for myself mainly, of course, but for you, Dave, if it gets much, much better. I wonder what you think of Star Trek Discovery, Wayne. 
there was a nice discussion in the Facebook group about what what can you spoil for others. Well, with a podcast called Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, I think you are in a in a kind of setting where you realize that some people haven't watched all their series. I think you do a very nice job in hanging somewhere in between spoiling people and not spoiling people. Major spoilers are at least avoided. On the other hand, you have to tell something about the other stories. Mainly you use it as a reference, for instance, for something that happened in the episode at hand. But you have to tell something about the other series if you want to trigger people to watch it. And as you know, you did that for me several times. And also Dave together with Mike. Okay, about this episode. Did I like it or didn't I like it? I think I liked it, but it was different than other episodes. It was much slower partly, apart from the action-filled end of the episode. But quite a part of the episode played in Agent Hall's mind in a kind of psychedelic way. And that made it much slower. Of course, we did get some explanation of stuff by doing this. But yeah, it's okay. They shouldn't do that for more episodes. What I find a bit strange is that they didn't come back to the fact that Trevor has probably nanites in his circulation from the bite of Naomi. And the writers just put in a very short moment. Grant McLaren is asking Trevor to cover him. And then we see him freeze for a moment and have an absence of mind to remember us. Oh yeah, there was another story about Trevor, but we don't have time or we don't want to pay attention to that in this episode because we have other stuff to tell. So I didn't like that too much. I think Carly is the most badass of the team. was actually quite nice to see her team up with Jeff. Not the asshole Jeff, but the other one. And the scenes David with Jeff was also good. And is David so naive? I think he is. So in our discussion, will he ever play a major role? And knowing everything... It will be a big, big reveal for him, and I don't know how he will react, but as a proper part of the team, I don't think, uh, as he is functioning now, he could play a role. Biggest question is, of course, did Dawn put a little seed into Philip's mind? We see him throw away his pills at the end of the episode, and she says that she wants to team up with him, and she does escape. I wonder if she will recontact him. Probably she will. And I also wonder if she will regroup with other faction. Because, well, the amount of death in this episode was very large. Fortunately, they had a swimming pool to collect all the blood that was streaming out of these bodies. Okay, that was all. Greetings, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, now Fred brings up Star Trek Discovery, and uh-huh. I, you know I I watched the first few episodes of season one, and I think in my message to Fred I said I hated it. Hate's a pretty strong word, but I really did not like it at all. Um, do you? And he brings up whether or not you're watching it. Yeah, I I only watched. Yeah, we did the first one, and that's the only one I've seen. So I I basically re, 
I, I refuse to pay for CBS television. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I, and I'm certainly in, in that camp as well. So if it becomes free, yeah, maybe I'll check it out again, but I, I certainly didn't like it enough to even pay yeah. one cent for it. But I, you know, I think I liked if I, you know, and, and I don't want to like make any definitive statements cause it's recorded. <laughs> so, but I thought that I liked the first one. Okay. Um, I certainly watching the, the, um, the trailers for the new season, it looks cool. Um, but yeah, sorry for, I haven't seen it yet, man. I can't, can't help you out there. Okay. Now he brings up the Facebook group discussion and the whole idea of spoiling listeners for older series. And he does bring up the, the fact that, you know, your podcast is called sci-fi TV rewatch, which sort of implies you're going back to rewatch series that maybe you missed the first time because certainly that's one of the ways we sell the podcast so that is true and and again it's another well, sell reason in so far as we give it away for free but yeah yeah so, <laughs> all right now in terms of the travelers episode he brings up the, the fact that you know certainly visually and from a narrative element perspective it was different than the other episodes because it partly played out in agent hall's mind and and i just really thought that was a very clever way of doing things and really effective it really it made us see hall in such a different light and and the dynamic between hall and mclaren just really made it for me in this episode yeah i don't know if i saw hall in a different like so i i know like he was the antagonist for most of the episode, but I thought at the end of that episode, they kind of realized that, as you said before, they're all on the same page and on, you know, basically on the same team want to do the same things. Um, but yeah, it certainly gave them, you know, if the writer wrote that episode before hall, you can see this is a character he really loves and, and he really did the character justice, uh, in this episode for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now the whole idea about Trevor, and the nanites in his blood and fred i i assume you're referring to trevor's i don't want to call them blackouts they're not really blackouts but it just he kind of goes into a pause mode yeah and, and then snaps out of it and we just get that one incident during the gunfight of all all times but uh, fred i i guess we all have to just be patient and assume they're going to bring this up again and with only four episodes to go in season three, you know, what Trevor's fate is, I mean, he's certainly been uh, sort of fatalistic about his future. So sure. I'd really hate to see Jared Abramson leave the show, but I guess you, you never know the actor that right. plays Trevor. Well, you know, maybe more of this in the spoiler zone. Yes. All right. Now, he says Carly's the most badass member of the team. And, and, and again, as we said, it, it was just really nice to see her talk in a, in a totally different tone with, with Jeff. And, you know, certainly the team up with nice Jeff was, you know, nice aspect of this episode. Is David so naive that he'll never be able to be part of the team? That's a good question. I mean, th to be part of the team, though, you got to read David in on the truth about who right. they all are. And while 
I believe David would probably say, you know, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh and and then the last thing he brings up Dawn, is she going to work with Philip? Did she plant a seed in Philip's mind that's going to grow and then it gets to that point where he throws away the pills at the end. So is his throwing those pills away did that have something to do with his confrontation with Dawn, do you think? Oh yeah, for sure. I think it, it definitely seems to be like this kind of active rebellion against the director. Right. Okay. I, I think so. That, that's what I took it as that, you know, he's like, he has doubts about the director and, but he still is not willing to take that plunge to be faction. But so he's going to decide instead, he's going to go without the pills and see how that works out. Plus, you know, he's, how many times has he, has he mentioned his reluctance to dabble in drugs at all because of his addiction, right? Well, that's true, yes. And even though these are not recreational drugs by any stretch. No, not at all. But just putting anything into his body, you know, that's not, you know, right. natural besides like the popcorn and stuff like that. All right. Well, Fred, thank you. As always, some great questions. And. I'm sure you'll send us something next week as well. And, and Fred also mentions he's given feedback for a lot of different shows. And, and uh, I've, I've heard a little bit of his feedback on uh, uh, Mark's. I can't remember Mark's last name, but he does solo talk media and he covers uh, Killjoys. I think I forget what other show Fred gives feedback for. But uh, anyway, thank you, Fred. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Great. All right, spoiler zone. So as we say each week, if you have not completed the series, stop listening now and come back next week. Kristen, you've been warned. Now, <laughs> I don't really have anything. And, and it got me to thinking that it, it seemed every episode of Dark, there were all sorts of things I was jotting down that yeah. were so apropos for spoiler zone. And well, luckily you got me here then, man. Haunting of Hill House, kind of the same. So what do you got? Okay, so first of all, we have Archivist 18. That okay. was the lady with the sunglasses on. Right. So she's the one who is going to get killed in that box with David. Oh, okay. So, like, when I, I as I was, you know, like I said, at the hockey tournament this week, I rewatched all the last five episodes. And then when I saw her, because at first when she had the sunglasses on, it's just like, hey, look at the girl with the sunglasses. And then she took them off, like, oh, Oh, that's the that's the historian. She's going to get you know killed trying to save the nanite. So, yeah, that's the first thing. the The scene there with you know Carly and 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 Jeff two and talking about little Jeff. Well, now at the end of this thing, and I don't want to talk about this too much because you know this is like the big la thing of the last one. But you know when McLaren basically resets everything, prevents. 001 and the the first travelers program from even happening so does that mean carly and jeff are back to where they were is she gonna die now is philip gonna die of a heroin overdose now or maybe they never get together in the first place yeah but, but then we they'll just live their lives as they were living them in episode 0101 where philip was about to die of a heroin overdose Except for the traveler get, gets sent into him and he's saved. Carly's about to get beaten to death by Jeff 
except the traveler enters her and she saves herself. So now that there is no traveler program, does that mean that these people are just going to straight up die? Well, see, this is why I love time travel and this is why I hate time travel. Yeah. I mean, we go to the final scene when David and Marcy meet on the bus and, right. and this is Marcy. Right. Because oh one never came back. So Marcy never got her brain messed with. So she's just, you know, continuing her life before when she was a nurse at that, the psychiatric hospital. Okay. Right. So good point. So clearly her timeline changes radically as Completely. opposed to Carly, who really had no connection to zero zero one. Right. And there'd be no reason for her timeline to evolve any other way than it did up until the point that she was overwritten. Correct. Good point. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So I, I don't want to talk about it too much because I know that's going to be a huge, probably I, I'm, I'm seeing we're going to have to do a second episode after the finale of this season, just to hash out what the heck happened there and everything. So anyway, that was just one thing. Um, Philip not taking the drugs. He's going to have some serious consequences, right? Okay. Cause yeah. he's going to start seeing all the realities so much to the point. He can't even walk from one part of the room to another because he's seeing things that aren't there because he's seeing all these different realities. Yeah, that's, again, good point. Yeah. So maybe flushing the, the pills, not a great idea. Though, of course, you know, because he doesn't take that, he sees the nuclear bomb go off before it does, and they're able to save Seattle. Wow. Ah, good stuff. I'm not done. Okay. So Trevor, we, we, we know that Trevor, the reason he's pausing is because he's experiencing, I can't remember what they call it, like, Phase displacement or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, again, we're going to definitely talk about this more later. Um, but it's, you know, it's tough to see because now that like we know what's going to, what ultimately is happening with him and that he's suffering from this, basically a, um, you know, a, a terminal disease. Uh, we're seeing the early stages of it. So it's kind of sad to see that and everything though. We don't see Dawn again, do we? You know, that's what I was wondering, and I, I I think I probably said one of the podcasts a few weeks back that I just binged the last six episodes over two nights, and right. I, I, you know, I mean, I remember the major points, but I was thinking about that today, whether or not we see her again. I, try, I couldn't, again, it's, it's just because I just... We watched this, but I'm trying to think of whether we saw, you know, just a testament to the show, how much happens in each episode. Well, the great thing would be if we don't see her again, then we can assume she's alive. And maybe if there is a season four, somehow she'll play a role. Although I don't know how the writers would figure that in, but I guess we'll see. Well, well, ultimately they can do whatever the heck they want because the, the, these basically these three se- seasons never happened, right? Because 001 doesn't come back. They don't do tra- the traveler program, so you know none none of this stuff happened at all. So they could just start from scratch, right? Which, on the one hand, feels a little bit like a cheat, but 
Uh, we'll see what they do, right? Yep. Yep. So I think that's all I have of the things I highlighted in red in my notes. That's good yeah. stuff. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. And that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Travelers, Haunting of Hill House, which is now only a few weeks away. Uh, anything else in the sci-fi or genre world you'd like to bring to our attention or make some sort of comment on, I encourage you to join the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. If you're already a member, you can spread the word, bring new members on board. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to take a look at Season 3, Episode 7 of Travelers, titled Trevor. But until then... So, I don't know if I told you this, man, but I actually got, like, a press pass uh, for the like the, the press conference that John Harbaugh gave at the end of the season for the Ravens, you know? Okay. I actually got a chance to, to ask a question. So, like, he got up there. I say, John, you know, your team pulled off some serious shit, and nothing got better, no matter what you did. <laughs>